What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Warriors, warriors, come out to play. Because you never know what's going to happen in this sport. In this sport, you never know with with these fights. Anything is possible. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet though. He thought it was going to be a three piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand buffet to the face, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined today with Larry Mir, Sam Gordon, and Adam Hill. We are going to break down some big fights expected to happen here in Las Vegas. February 22nd, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. The rematch is on. We're going to get into that, and we have an exclusive interview that Sam Gordon was able to get with Fury that we're going to play here a little bit later on. We're going to talk about some MMA scoring, but first of all, we want to thank our sponsor betonline.ag the show is presented to you by them check out everything that they have online at betonline.ag as i said earlier sam gordon did get a chance to speak with tyson fury when he was in los angeles some time ago so sam let's go ahead and get into this interview a little bit here tell me about what you thought about his mindset when you guys sat down ahead of this rematch coming up here february 22nd in las vegas yeah uh despite all the 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 banter and the back and forth I, i truly believe there is a a deep amount of mutual respect and mutual admiration. Um, they've talked about it to a point, uh, at the, as you mentioned, um, with the, after my interview in L.A., they did a, a joint press conference together and pretty much said, hey, look, I respect this guy. They both said that because they've all, both of them are undefeated, save for one draw. I guess that means they're still undefeated, but both of them have beat everybody they fought except each other. So obviously they're both doing something right in each other's eyes. But um, as much as there is a respect thing, I, I don't think they like one another. Um, this Somebody dug up on Twitter that the back and forth between these two has been going on since they were both prospects in like 2012, 2013 in social media. So this has been a long, long, long time coming. Um, just, figuring out who who the the premier fighter in the division is between these two so um yeah the, the lead-up's been fantastic though it's not, not, we know this is the first big heavyweight fight in town of this magnitude in you know 20 plus years and what's unique about it is you have two really really charismatic fighters that know how to promote their fight they know how to talk and they are providing fans and media with the requisite amount of trash talk to 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 make this thing interesting and and we're only what eight days away now um so yeah. it's gonna be cataclysmic uh, i'm, I'm excited i'm looking forward to it and um i think yeah deep deep amount of mutual respect but also a genuine dislike for one another and we're going to see how it all shakes out next saturday well, the boxing heavyweight world has kind of been like, you know, really shaken up this past year, I would say. Uh, Bob Arum just recently uh, came out and said, I think it was yesterday, actually, and today being a Friday. So on Thursday here, he said that uh, Anthony Joshua versus Kubrat Pulev would be next. What do you make of that statement? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not it would. I, I'm hoping that that would be a, a tune up. I guess, although you never know with Anthony Joshua at this point after the Reeves fight, if there's such thing as a tune-up for him, uh, as as anything can happen, especially in the heavyweight division. But what I would hope is that would be a tune-up of sorts for an eventual unification between the winner of Fury, Wilder, and, and, and Joshua in the fall. 
Uh, it's, I mean, we, the, both Fury and, and Wilder, I think, are eager to fight Joshua and want the opportunity to fight Joshua. Wilder's been extremely vocal about getting, getting unifying the titles, having there be an undisputed heavyweight champion uh, for the first time in a really, really long time. So um, not a surprise that, that, that Joshua um, is, I mean, that, that he's going to fight somebody that's not Fury or Wilder next, if you know what I mean. That wasn't the most articulate way of phrasing it, but um, still should be an interesting fight nonetheless. Joshua Joshua fights are always interesting, especially the last few, given what happened with Andy Ruiz last June. I think the heavyweight division is back. It's it's more interesting than ever with with the three the three big names that, that we all know about with. Ruiz with Luis Ortiz, who is a very respectable fighter, um, only losing to, to Deontay Wilder twice. So, um, yeah, it, sh- it should be interesting. It, I, I, what I really hope for is that we get a unification that Joshua steps up to the challenge and meets either Wilder or Fury in the fall, the, the winner of those two, provided he takes care of business for this next right, fight. Sam, that's the thing, though. Is it back if they're not fighting each other? Like, you can have all these guys, but I, and I mean, we have the one. To crown, to crown the main top heavyweight in the world, I think they need to fight each other. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And if if that happens, if we get an undisputed champion, it'll definitely be back. But the fact that you have Wilder Fury both undefeated in their primes that are willing to fight one another, that matters. I think that really matters, and that sets the tone, and that that puts pressure on Joshua to, hey, look, you got to step up to the plate now. These guys are doing it. If you want to be considered in that class of that ilk, you got to step up to the plate and, and fight the winner. Well, some 14 months ago, this fight happened. Like you said, Sam, it was a draw. Uh, this rematch has been brewing for quite some time. I think this is going to be one where I, I don't know personally I'm really looking forward to the walkouts uh, I want to see who's <laughs> going to have the more charismatic flamboyant type walkout um, they're both pretty pretty good at doing that I Wild, mean Wilder came uh, out looking uh, like Shredder last time yeah, yeah, yeah. From Ninja Turtles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a prop on this? Like, can we bet, like, you know, who will have the longer, more uh, ornate walkout? Or, like, you know, is there I some mean, kind of bet on that? There should be a, there should be a prop. <laughs> there should be. I would go with Wilder on that one. I think I would, too. <laughs> but it's close. Uh, uh, Fury's last fight uh, was... No, was around was the Mexican Independence Day weekend that normally Canelo Alvarez fights here on, on that weekend, but Canelo didn't fight, so Fury fought and and came out and honored Mexican her- Mexican heritage and Mexican culture with his walkout. And um, like Larry said about Wilder's last walkout, who knows what that was? But <laughs> yeah, the, these two guys, I mean, they know how to entertain, they know how to put on a show, and and we're eight days away. One thing about like you know, despite the theatrics, despite the walkouts and the talk, they both can fight too, and that that's going to bring another element to this fight that's going to be extremely interesting. Yeah, and style. Basically, like we talked about before, you have arguably the greatest power puncher in the history of the sport in Deontay Wilder, and then you have Fury, who doesn't have that quite... I mean, nobody has that kind of power, but he doesn't. he's not necessarily known for his power, but the, the foot speed, the head movement, the quickness, the agility, the fast hands, things like that. So they say styles make fights. I know it's very cliche, but they say it for a reason. In this case, you have two contradicting styles, and I think that's what made the first matchup so compelling and why it was so even, and that's what makes this matchup so compelling as well. And I think part of it, what makes it compelling is I remember Bob Aram didn't think that the fight was remotely close last time, but yeah, it ended in a draw. And this is something that affects boxing. It affects MMA, the scoring system. And that's something that we're going to get into here when we talk about the John Jones and the Reyes fight. But first, Sam, before we get into that, I do want to ask you about your conversation with Tyson Fury, because we are going to air a little bit of that here. And I wanted to get your take on what his mindset is like ahead of this fight. Yeah, I think I think Tyson is in a really really good place mentally and he's op- he's been really open in the past about his struggles with mental health and depression and after he beat Vladimir Klitschko 
uh, that was he, he kind of hit a rock bottom and, and put on a bunch of weight and was abusing hard drugs and uh, really had to to kind of fight to crawl out of that dark place and get to back to where he is now. And, and he's been really open with with some of his struggles. But when I when I talked to him, the, the sense I got was that he is in a really good place, really focused um, physically and mentally. I mean, he feels like he's in his prime in the prime of his career at, at 31. Uh, with the record he has, with the fights he has under his belt, the experience is that he's still physically uh, a, a force. And when all thing, all these, the combination of all those factors, I, 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 he believes he's going to beat Deontay Wilder. He believes he's going to beat him soundly. And uh, it, it's, I think he's, I think he's in really good shape and uh, physically, mentally, and ready to go for this, and, and, and better shape than he was both physically and mentally in the first fight. I know he's putting on some weight. He's working with a nutritionist, trying to keep weight on, trying to maybe add a little bit of power, some power that he didn't necessarily have in the first fight. So, um, going to be fascinating to see what he looks like. Like, like I said before, one of one of his trademarks is his his speed, his foot speed, his quickness at that size. Will an extra fifteen or twenty pounds detract from how quick he is in the ring? We'll see. But I know he. Won't want some added power to, to not match, but at least go blow for blow and try as best he can to go blow for blow with the almighty Wilder. All right. Well, let's go ahead and hear from Tyson Fury and Sam's conversation with him back in Los Angeles not too long ago. First and foremost, thank you for the time. Um, obviously a big fight uh, coming up. Ahead of that, I want to check with you. Um, how was your experience with WWE um, just leading up to the fight? Just what was the most rewarding part about being part of that promotion? In your it was a fantastic promotion, fantastic outfit, nothing but positivity to say about WWE. One of the best teams in the world I've ever worked with. Everything consistent, everything on time, great. How do you feel that being a part of that kind of tapped into a different fan base or helped build your brand ahead of this rematch over Wilder? Yeah, I think it was a fantastic move. I've been a lifelong fan of WWE. Got to wrestle on the biggest stage with the biggest guy. Um, yeah, so it was a fantastic opportunity to wrestle out Saudi Arabia with Braun Strowman. Yeah, uh, obviously we have a, a renaissance here in the heavyweight division and you were at the epicenter of that. Um, what is it like to be a part of this, to be a part of this promotion, to be a part of maybe the most consequential heavyweight fight in 20 years? It was massive. It was great for me as a boxer and it was great for me as a person. Lifelong dream ticked. Yeah, um, how, how different is your, your prep uh, this time around for, for Wilder? What are the differences in camp? How focused are you on you know, nutrition, conditioning? Are there yeah, any focus I'm, I'm focused on it 100%. I'm doing everything that I should be. Um, no late nights, not drinking tons of coffee, no sodas, just water, more hydrate. Um, what else am I doing that I didn't do before? I'm eating five times a day, drinking two gallons of water a day. Um, I brought on a nutritionist. Uh, what else? I brought on a new trainer, working on, on different stuff in the gym. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit different than the last time, for sure. What did you learn from the first time? I didn't learn anything, no. But I don't think you actually can have a fight and then learn something from it. Maybe if you got knocked out, you'd learn not to get knocked out again, but apart from that, I didn't learn anything. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't think you're learning fight. I think you learn more in the gym on what you're practicing and rather in the fight itself. Yeah, how much better do you feel at, at this juncture as opposed to, you know... I can't really remember. It was a long time ago. Um, I don't remember how I was feeling last this time two years ago. I have struggled remembering last week, never mind two years ago, but I would say I'm in a good place and everything's going really well. Yeah, uh, we, we know about the, the kind of the physical challenges that, that you guys do to get ready for camp or for, for a fight in camp. Yeah. What is, like, what's that like on the mental side? How do you mentally... 
prepare for something of this caliber? Um, what, what type of mental exercise or what type of things do you like to do to, to get mentally fit? Um, I don't train my mental asset because my mental side of things is, is concrete when it comes to boxing. Um, yeah, so I don't really do anything on that side. I just wake up in the morning, eat, tra train, sleep, repeat every day. And that's it. I'll do that for however many weeks, six weeks, however long I'm in training camp, and then just do the fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were at the UFC card last weekend. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like? You got quite an ovation there. Just how do you feel that the crowd embraced you, and how was it being a part of um, UFC? Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, got some big news coming regarding the UFC as well. So keep uh, keep tuned in for that. Uh, it was a fantastic experience. Great fight night, and yeah, it was a good good overall experience. Yeah, um, still a month to the fight. Just what do you want to sharpen? What do you want to do this next month to make sure you are in top condition? For I'm already in top condition now, as you can see. <laughs> Sun's out, guns are out. Um, fit as a fiddle, healthy as a trout. Ready to go now. So yeah, four weeks, I'm just going to take over, do what I do best. Yeah, um, another fantastic suit. Um, just how have you used fashion over the course of your life, your career, to as an outlet to for your personality and to express yourself? Yeah, I'm very flamboyant personality, outgoing and stuff. So I wear the outgoing, the suits and the most uh, flamboyant suits in the game, and I, I aim to keep up in my levels as the fight gets nearer. So we've got some fantastic pieces coming soon, and yeah, you've you've seen quite a lot, but they're going to get better as it goes on. Do you feel like you're in the prime of your career? Yeah, I'm 31. I'm in the prime of my life. I'm in great, uh, great physical shape, and I've, I've done everything correct the last couple of years. So yeah, I think I'm in the best, best place I've ever been. That physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to showcase? I mean, what, what does this fight mean to you, to your career? I mean, you've already obviously been up atop the mountain with the, the victory over Klitschko. What would this be? What would this a win over Wilder mean for you? A uh, win over Wilder won't mean nothing to me because I'm going to knock him out. So when I knock him out, I'm just going to go home like nothing happened. Just like normal. Because that's what I do every time. Business as usual. Business as usual. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, I won't, I won't be uh, jumping for joy and all that sort of stuff. I'm expected to beat him anyway. It's not like some miracle's going to happen. I'm just going to punch his cunt in for him and then send him packing. Then, See in a bit. And what's after that? After that, I'm going to go home and go back doing the bins and stuff like that. What I usually do, take the kids to school, have a coffee in the morning, training, and then we'll see where the next super fight happens. You know, it's for me, it's just about living life one day at a time and enjoying it as it comes. Yeah, uh, this is a case where we get two fighters in their prime, both with undefeated records. What, I mean, obviously, both, neither one of you guys are afraid to let that O go. What is so sacred about that O in, in boxing? Um, so sacred. I'm not so sure it's a sacred thing. I don't think so either. But, you know, when two people haven't lost, they don't know what it's like to lose, and everyone wants to see two unbeaten fights fight each other. I believe it's about fighting the best people at your, your time and your era, and that's what we're trying to do with, uh, with these fights. Do you feel like you're the best of your era? Yeah, for sure. On top of the game. Been in this game years. It's made me an animal. 11 years at it. Still unbeaten, still fighting, still going well. Now we're going to take a quick break to tell you all about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are all right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part: when you sign up, you receive 50% off welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night, and we can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it 
with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to RJ Ringside, everybody. Again, what you just heard there before the break was Tyson Fury, a little bit of Sam's sit-down that he had with him in Los Angeles. That fight happening here in Las Vegas on February 22nd. And Sam and I will be down there getting you covered from all angles during the week. And we will have a podcast right after the fight where we talk about uh, our post-fight, just what we had, what we saw, what we took in from it, and what the results were so you're going to want to keep it tuned here to the rj ringside podcast and subscribe wherever you are listening so um you know like we said kind of before that was that scoring judging that kind of thing has been just problematic i would say in combat sports for the most part and uh, a lot of times you know it's because maybe you have Adelaide Bird on the table. And other times it's because like what we saw this past week in um, the UFC was there were judges during a fight with Lauren Murphy and Andrea uh, Lee that were talking and reportedly on the cell phone. I didn't see that part on the broadcast, but it, there's times when you kind of want to just bang your head into a wall when you look at combat sports judging. It's opened up a lot of discussion this week on whether or not we should look at open scoring systems or if it should stay on the 10 point must uh, system larry you fought you've scored fights what do you think about the the scoring system the way it is and how do we get judges to to look at a, a fight maybe just w with a better set of eyes i know what, what needs to happen here with the scoring system well i think a lot of the problem is, is you have a lot of old school boxing judges that are trying to make the crossover into mma or that just haven't been involved with a lot of mma fights um to me, the easy fix for that would be have X fighters and no, uh, yes, Stop. I would, I would no. say have X fighters be the judges. Already wrong. No, I, 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 I will, I'll tell you. Here's the problem with it. First of all, <laughs> the scoring system is just flawed from the beginning. It, it works in boxing, and it there's problems in boxing too. But it works in boxing because there's 12 rounds. It's you get a much bigger sample size. You can differentiate, and there's a, you know, with six and six, there's a if if it's you know you each take even amount of rounds, it's a it's a draw. And you can move on from there, and that's fine. Like it doesn't work in MMA as well because it's only three rounds. And if you have a five-minute round that's somewhat close, and you have to give it to one of them, all of a sudden that is a huge advantage in the fight. So having having kicks and takedowns and stuff like that's not not involved in that equation either, though, for MMA judging. Like of you're course, only no, you're only judging box, you're only judging. Of punches. course, it's involved, but I'm saying just the system in general. When there's 12 rounds, you're going to get a much better sample size. And when there's three rounds, and because because of that six and six, when there's an even amount of rounds in boxing, like somebody has to differentiate and win seven of them or five to win the fight. So it, it spreads it out a little bit more. When there's three rounds, the system doesn't work as well. But you need to be better within the system. So as long as the system's in place, we just need to have people that are better judges, that are better trained, that pay more attention. And to Larry's point, it infuriates me to no end <laughs> when people are like, it needs to be ex-fighters. I will tell you right now, I follow so many for fighters and former fighters on social media, 
and I watched them during the fights. They are the dumbest of all of them. They have no idea what wow. they're talking about. Oh you see all, all the time. This is hurting me. I mean, listen, there's plenty of there's, there's plenty of fans that plenty of fans that are just complete idiots to whatever. But you you see fighter first the first problem with fighters, how many of them have affiliations to gyms and to other fighters and to trainers? Like that guy won. And it happens all the time. And you see it all the time. And there's there's ex-fighters that are currently judging. I'm not gonna call them out. And they're they're judging fights of guys they used to train. And you're like, what is this about? That doesn't make any sense. And you you I see one of the things I see all the time from from ex fighters. And if you say this, you should never ever ever be allowed to judge or officiate a fight. If you say, I think that should have been unanimous, or I think that should have been split. You are disqualified forever. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> You're judging one card. You don't get to judge if it should be split or unanimous. That's, that's, and you see that all the time. You're like, okay, you're disqualified. You're never being able to judge anything. You just see, you see way too many fighters that have no idea what they're talking about, and they have their own scoring system. I think it should be done this, so I'm going to judge it this way. It, whether it's ex-fighters, whether it's ex-trainers, ex whether it's just former judges that are learning the sport – you need better training. You need better accountability. You need all of these things. It doesn't matter who these people are. They just need to be better at what they're doing and be put in a better system. Like, I'm open to other systems that are better. But for right now, whatever the system is, you just need to be better trained and better prepared to do your job and do your job. Because, as Heidi said, in Texas, they weren't watching, which already you're like, OK, now what are we doing? Like, it, it's just it's a mess. And, and commissions need to be more accountable. And the trainer and the, excuse me, the judges need to be more accountable. Everyone needs to be more accountable and just learn the system better and understand what they're doing. So okay. I guess. I'm gonna. I want to defer to you guys here. And in layman's terms, I mean, I I know that I'm familiar with the scoring system in boxing and have an idea of what it is in MMA. But how, like, how are you supposed to score? Like, for example, at at UFC 246, the McGregor car, right? Who did Holly Holm fight? Uh, well, we've already forgotten. We've already <laughs> how do you like? You yes. remember those rounds? And there was, there was nothing going on. Like, how do you score those right. kind of rounds? Like, well, what? It's the same in boxing. You have you have rounds where there's a three minute round where nothing really happens, and one guy lands six, and one guy lands four, and you're like, uh, nothing really happened there. It's the same. Okay, but but the problem the problem is in boxing. If you have one or two of those rounds, there's twelve rounds. Sure, sure, sure. In MMA, there's three. Yeah. So if you have a round that's incredibly even. All of a sudden, you're like, well, I'm going to give it to this fighter because it's 10-9 must. Just like, it, you no, know, you can do 10-10s, but they never do them. So it's a 10-9 must. So right. nothing happens for five minutes of the fight. That's a third of the fight where nothing happens. And one of them gets a win for that round. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So I, that, that's a that's problem. That's a great point. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. I totally agree with you on that. Because, like, judging amateur fights, they only give those guys two minutes. And they're right. two-minute, three-minute rounds. And, like... Those are the hardest rounds to judge because there's literally two minutes for those guys to win the round. So I totally see the point of spreading it out. I disagree with you on the X fighter, the X fighter thing. I think there's some. Them on Twitter I think there's some. Yeah, there's some fighters that are very incapable of doing it, but there's some fighters that are very knowledgeable and that I think would make amazing judges. Now, Larry, so. to your point, um, to your previous point about takedowns and the different kind of attacks you can do in MMA as opposed to boxing. How would you go about if you have somebody that's a striker that that lands a bunch, but then for maybe half the round, but then the other half the round, they're being controlled on the ground and things like that. How do you go about scoring around when the types of combat are different within that round? To me, I go to the, the effectiveness of the damages of the punches. Was he landing the punches? Was he missing? Were the punches blocked? Um, the takedowns, were the takedowns? Was he working from the takedown? Did he get him down? Did he work into a uh, submission position? Was he trying to score from that takedown? That, sure, that's where sure. you would break okay. it down from. Gotcha. Um, the nuance with Right. Just like boxing, they, they go from, you know, they judge off of damage, control, 
you know, who's the aggressor. So there's different criteria that they break it down from, same as boxing. But it's, to it's, me, it's almost like, if you want to put it in boxing terms, it's one guy lands like 15 jabs that are just like good, you control the round, land on jabs. The other guy lands two like devastating shots. Yeah, yeah. Who won that round? And, and that that could very, that's very well a Fury Wilder to kind of tie it back into that. Sure. It, like that can happen in those fights. Sure. So who, who do you think, like what's more effective? Is it the two massive shots that could have ended the fight? Or is it the 15 jabs that kind of control the round a little bit but didn't do much like who wins that that's a great question yeah that, that is a great yeah. question i think you saw some of that going back boxing wise uh, canelo alvarez sergey kovalev now canelo ended any type of debate with a knockout um late in the fight but kovalev was the aggressor he was throwing way more and he was hitting way more but they were jabs they were meek weak jabs where canelo's punches were more effective and it was really close on the cards because that is such a t- tough decision for some judges to decide where do you give the points to in, in rounds that are like yeah, that it's the same in mma and then it's the same you know it's it's styles and what do you favor and for so long there was somebody could be winning a fight for four and a half minutes the other fighter takes up your around for four and a half minutes the other fighter takes them down does nothing but the judge is like ah oh, that takedown that take impressive. down them yeah sure is gotcha. it that like, happens all the time but it's all it's up to the judge but it's also like judges need to be better prepared, better trained, all those other things, regardless of who they are. And I'm not disqualifying ex-fighters. I'm just saying there's there's such a large percentage of fighters that I've talked to, like, we just need to be scoring these. Like, no, people that are trained needs to be scoring them. And if you want to go through the training and you want to go through the process and become a judge, great. But it's, it's not just like, hey, let's just throw ex-fighters out there. They know better because they don't. Well, I mean, sometimes I obviously love train them, Adam. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, believe me, I've heard fighters that are like, we don't need, we can just go out there and train, judge them tomorrow. Like, no, you can't. You don't even know what the criteria is. I love when Paul Felder is commentating a fight and he actually, if it is a teammate of his, will remove himself from the commentary. And that's something that I can appreciate because like Adam was making the point of that, you know, when you train with somebody, you're in the trenches with them, of course, you're going to be rooting for them. So he sees it as his necessary position to to be able to be impartial and fair is doing play by play to walk out and say, I I can't commentate on this fight because if it's somebody like Anthony Pettis, I'm going to be, you know, talking about all the the good things Pettis is doing as opposed to like actually breaking down the fight. So um, that has nothing to do with judging, of course, but it's something where I can see your point about ex fighters sometimes. And I'm for ex fighters doing it. I mean, Ricardo Almeida became a a judge out in New Jersey, I believe, with the athletic commission and a lot of times when i see his scorecards they're kind of along the lines of what i'm thinking now that doesn't necessarily mean that all judges should be it but to have some knowledge of what you are scoring is definitely helpful because i think sometimes like were they even watching the same fight that i was looking at because it's completely you know their their scorecard might be completely off the rails what i think the consensus might be or what i was looking at as well um when when you see something like john jones and reyes happened I mean I don't know if it was a fight that was I'm not going to say it's a robbery basically I'm not going to say that fight was a robbery I'm going to say that the third round was a swing round and it really because of things like we were talking about in this conversation where you have the did takedowns count more was John Jones the more effective striker or was Dominic Reyes controlling and pushing the the tempo of the fight more and making it uh, kind of more of a gritty fight in the third round at certain points, you know, or was it John Jones that was 
tactically um, maneuvering around certain things coming his way. It's like a half and half split in that round for me about how you would score it. So when you look overall at the John Jones Reyes fight, I would definitely say one and two were Reyes, but two, which was interesting to me was the one that two judges gave to Jones. And I thought that was clearly a Reyes round. And then you have the round three and that was a swing round as expected. And four and five were given to Jones on all cards. So like for, uh, I, I don't know like where we land on this, but do you think Adam, that this one definitely kind of warrants a rematch because of all of the controversy that's come out of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it'll, it'll depend kind of on Jones and what he wants to do. Uh, I've never, I've never won for, we need a rematch just because the scoring was a little questionable. Cause you, a lot of times those fights end up being awful when you run them back and you're like, Oh, that was great. I want to see that again. And it's not very good. Uh, if there's a, you know, an appetite for it and Jones wants to do it, I, I get it. I know Jones seems like he's kind of distancing himself now and being like, okay, like I, I was gracious after the fight, but now you're going to go around and complain about it for a week. I'm done with you, uh, which it's kind of his right at being as being the champion for so long uh, to kind of make those decisions. And what does he want to do? Does he want to go up? I don't know if the appetite there uh, is there to move up after a couple of lackluster uh, victories by him. Uh, does he want to take on one of the new challengers? You know, we're going to have somebody emerge this weekend as a potential contender uh, in the division. That's a that's a new face that he could take on after that. But uh, I think I think it's going to be up to Jones and, and if he's bothered by the talk and if he wants to go back in there. Uh, we saw last time with Gustafson that didn't happen. He, they fought you know a couple years down the road. Uh, so I, I think Jones will probably you know take a look at what happens this weekend. Uh, take a look at the timeline on Stipe and potentially moving up or if Cormier. Uh, you know, is the heavyweight champion later this year? We'll, we'll we'll see exactly how that plays out. But I think a lot of it is in is in the hands of John Jones what he wants to do. Let me let me ask you this. You you mentioned it a couple lackluster victories by John Jones. Is John Jones? We know what he's accomplished. We know what he's meant to the promotion. We know what he where he ranks on the all time list at this moment in time. Is he still the dominant force that he was when he emerged as and became the face of the promotion and and, and the brand? Uh, I mean. I think you have to say yes on some level just because he keeps winning. Sure. He still has the belt. Nobody's gone in there and actually beat him. Uh, and, and I also think he needs to be challenged. I think that is part of it because so many so many times in history you've seen fighters don't really emerge and become stars until they're challenged by that real contender. And he had Cormier. Sure. Now he he's kind of moved on from that. He doesn't really have that person. What we are seeing is younger fighters who are, you know, as Reyes said, I'm an athlete. He's never really fought a real athlete. I was a college football player. He hasn't fought those guys, which is not true. He fought Ovin St. Peru, who's an SEC football player. Uh, so that was kind of nonsense. But I, I think you're seeing guys that are trained as martial artists yeah. and are, you know, John Jones is a wrestler who then became a martial artist as a pro. You're seeing guys that have been training in mixed martial arts their whole life that are now coming up. And like, Dom Reyes, is he as talented as John Jones? No, but he's kind of that new era. Uh, Tiago Santos, you know, kind of gave him that challenge as well. So you're seeing new challenges emerge and there's always eras and you're kind of seeing maybe the transition to a new era and it's it's on Jones to do you try to step yourself up because we've seen Jones get very cautious he's fighting not to lose uh, I think uh, we used to see him yep. innovating his game every single time adding you know spin kicks and you know all kinds of craziness to his game and now he's like I'm just gonna go in there and kind of win and so does he get somebody to challenge him to take him to that next step? Or does he just kind of keep surviving until somebody passes him over? That's a great, that's a great question. Would you say, with, with that said, is the, gap, is the gap closing? Oh, I mean, I, I think it is. But again, we, we have not seen John fight at his best. So sure. we don't okay. know okay. that. Okay, fair, fair. Um, 
I mean, at some point, like if he keeps fighting like this and one of these younger guys beats him, the legacy does start to get challenged a little bit. I think it's pretty secure because of all the champions that he's beat. But again, he was beating guys that were in a previous era from him. He was the next era. Now there's a new era coming along. So those things always happen. I mean, at some point, you know, whoever, you know, wants to talk about basketball and like we've seen all these great basketball players and like, okay, Jordan was the greatest of all time. At some point he was still playing. There was guys that were better than him. Yeah. And he he was still Mm -hmm. the best player of all time at that time, but he wasn't the best player in the league at that moment. Correct. So, I mean, like those, those eras, those change and those things happen. So uh, I think you're seeing it a little bit. Now Jones is still young enough that he could evolve and say, okay, I need to go to another level now, and and I think he can he he has that ceiling still kind of left to climb to. But he's been around a while; he's comfortable. Like, how how much do you want to try to evolve and change yourself and get back to you know trying to get to new levels if you're sitting with millions and millions of dollars in the bank? And you're like, do I really need to? And my legacy is already secure. So what is it? What is the point of that? I, I think he waits one more fight. I think he fights the winner of Anderson Blackowitz, and then he goes to he does the heavyweight fight. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he wanted to go heavyweight after this last fight. I just don't know that I don't know that he's confident in it. I don't know that. Uh, there's the you know the push out there for everybody like go challenge yourself go to heavyweight because now people are like oh you might get beat at light heavyweight let's see if this happens so there there's there's options there uh, for him to go through but um, you know right now he I mean he sits as a guy that has a very secure legacy and I don't think anybody you know 20 years from now is going to look back and like yeah those couple of fights in there were real close though like eh, nobody cares yeah wins or wins at the end he of the won't. day yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, who who did yeah. you guys pick for that fight Heidi and Adam. What, what was the, you guys' the score on the fight? Uh, I mean, well, first of all, uh, I had a challenge because it's different when you watch it back. So I watched it live from a Golden Knights game that was a wild game. Uh, it Same. was like the fifth round was kind of during a shootout. It was it was a crazy time. So in watching it live, I thought I thought that Reyes won one and two, Jones won four and five. And the third round was the swing round. And I also thought two was fairly close. And, and four was fairly close. So there, there was arguments made on both sides. I thought Reyes won one, two, and three watching it live. Yeah. Um, but I thought the third was close enough that you could go either way. And if you want to use the have to beat the champion nonsense, which is complete garbage and not a real thing, uh, then you could see them leaning to Jones in the third round. Watching it back, I thought I was right. I thought Reyes did win the third round. But it, again, it wasn't. It's not like something where you go, that was unbelievably bad. That was awful. That you got to burn down the whole sport. It's not. It's not at that level. I just thought that they might have gotten this one a little bit wrong, and I think Heidi was in the same boat. Yeah, exactly the same. I have nothing else to add. To except I, had it, I had exactly the same. I had it. I had it three two. Also, I, I had it. Um, Reyes one and two. The first watching it live, um, had him one and two. Wasn't sure about the third round. I couldn't even score the third round. Um, and then watching it back um, a couple times. I gave Reyes a third round, so I gave him one, two, and three. And then Jones dominated four and five. So, but yeah, it was a three-two fight, and I thought Reyes won that fight. And that that also goes yep. to uh, that also goes to the other thing that you brought up that a lot of people are talking about this week is open scoring, which I I like in premise, but in practice it doesn't work. Like you you saw what Reyes did. Reyes thought he won the first three rounds and basically tried to just make sure he survived for ten minutes because he had the win already. Now. That's the wrong strategy because he hadn't won the third round. He was behind. He needed to try to win one of those rounds. But if if you do have open scoring, you see a lot more of that. You're going to see guys that are like, wait, I'm up two rounds to none. 
I am running the whole third round. So, like, is that good for the sport? Probably not. In other sports, like, you do know the score, and you can do that. You can down the ball in football. Like, if you didn't know the score in a football game, you'd never see anybody downing it at the end of the game. You'd see every play be exciting. That would add something to it. So, like, I mean, there's something there. Like, there needs to be a strategy to figure out. Uh, basketball, same thing. If you don't have a scoreboard and you're just playing a game and you're like, uh, my head or not, and you have to decide if you're going to be aggressive and attack or if slow it down and, and you start fouling, you don't even know if you're ahead or behind. Like, that would be crazy. And it would add a whole lot more drama to the sport. So that's kind of what we're advocating here. Like, we don't want you to know because we don't want you to, to strategize. Right. Okay. Well, uh, but isn't there strategy in other sports when you're ahead and you're trying to protect leads? Yeah. True, but there's no judging in other sports. Right. I think as a fighter, too, you wouldn't want to know if you're up or down for that motivation at the end. Like, just say you are down. You know, if you know you're up, you kind of want that motivation of your coach telling them, dude, you're going to lose this fight if you don't get over there. And, if, you're you know. if you're down 2 nothing, you have to just start wailing away, just swinging for the fences, trying to get a knockout. You're right. If guys the know round. they're up two rounds, automatically they're going to run the third, especially if there's money on the line. Of course. You're never going to engage. Like, why would you? It wouldn't make any sense. You're gonna you're gonna down the ball like you do in football. Isn't there an organization? Yeah. Isn't in Bellator or some organization? Right uh, now Glory doing that? Glory uses open scoring. Yeah. Glory kickboxing. Which and and, yeah. and again, I'm not saying one way or the other is right. I'm just telling you what you would have if you have open scoring. You're not always gonna have like what what everybody wants in open scoring is for it always to be like tied or one round apart. So you're like, oh, this is great drama. Which you're gonna really have like in, in boxing if somebody's up. You know, nine rounds to zero? What are the last three rounds going to look like? <laughs> Running. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> run so, like, I would tell people that, are, that want open scoring, because, again, I like it in premise. Like, I'm with people. I'm like, that would be good to understand where you are and where you stand and what you have to do. And for to understand for the fans of what they're exactly watching. I'm watching a fifth round. You're watching that fifth round of Jones Reyes differently if you know what the score is at that point. So I, I'm with it in premise, but I, I caution people to be careful what you wish for because it is going to be a completely different sport. Yeah. So uh, this week we will have uh, on Saturday, actually, at the Santa Ana Star Center in New Mexico, where Holly Holm, who fought Raquel Pennington last <laughs> I was trying to get that one in there, but I never got to it. Um, she uh, actually showed around uh, the UFC on a Breaking Bad tour, which I was a, high, a big fan of. But uh, Corey Anderson will be taking on Jan Blakovich in the main event and the co-main, which is not really getting as much hype as I thought it would. Diego Sanchez versus Michael Pereira. That one will be be happening on ESPN plus starting at 2 p.m. for the prelims on Pacific time 5 p.m. on Pacific time for the main card on ESPN plus and we'll be back with another episode next week when we break down everything again that happened that will transpire we're talking future tense at Saturday's fight card on February 22nd of Tyson Fury and uh, Deontay Wilder we're going to be on site again for that and Sam and I will have a breakdown for you so uh, keep it tuned here to RJ Ringside find us on ReviewJournal.com and everybody on Twitter at Larry Mir at Adam Hill LVRG at by Sam Gordon and I am at Heidi Fang for all of the guys thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week warriors warriors